Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings of one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's show on Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, and I hope everyone out there had a nice Valentine's Day yesterday. Sadly, the box of lint chocolates that I sent to my daughter in California got porch pirated, so I immediately sent a backup box of C's chocolates, uh, waiting to see if that actually uh, manages to make it inside the house. So, Pirate, if you're listening, be on the lookout for a fresh stash of chocolates coming to a porch near you very soon. Dang. All right. I should have brought this, bro. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you really just uh, blew the cover on that one. Right. Okay. Well, okay. Hopefully, you, you've thought things out a bit more. In fact, you, you have a, a message that you want to pass along to one of our listeners. Is that correct? No, 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 not at all. I just wanted to wish you, Jim, a very happy Zendaya. A good Zendaya to you, if you will. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so maybe Theatrical Forever mm-hmm. pointed out that I had mispronounced Zendaya's name and said, by mistake and force of habit, Zendaya, I apologize. She gets 17 marvelous Disney cool points for catching me once again, mispronouncing a name that I've been repeatedly corrected on. Um, but really, uh, she sent me pictures of the of the pretty young lady to to correct me, and it, that only reinforces the bad habit, Jim. You, uh, theatrical forever, you should only send me pictures of Zendaya when I say her name correctly. So Zendaya, 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 you now owe me four lovely pictures of the girl. Thank you very much. <laughs> In all earnestness. The girl deserves some respect and deserves to have her name pronounced correctly, so I really need to work on it. But thank you for pointing it out once again. 17 Marvelous Disney Cool Points to you. Okay, and as long as we're trying to rack up good points here, it's Florence Pugh, right? Yes, yes, Florence Pugh. Okay, cool. All right. It took weeks and weeks of electric shock therapy, but I finally got it right. I'm glad it's working for you. Keep the voltage up. Okay. All right. So I, other significant thing that happened uh, today, February 15th, is today is the day that Spider-Man No Way Home officially blew by James Cameron's avatar. When it came to ticket sales in North America, this John Watts film is now officially the third highest grossing film at the domestic box office. So hooray. And more to the point, since there's no way in hell that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to sell another 98 million worth of tickets in North America, we can stop talking about this now. Yay! But anyway, why talk about Spider-Man No Way Home when we have something new and shiny to look at? And that's the trailer and the Super Bowl ad for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness which we'll get to in the second half of today's show. But first, the news, and the news portion of this week's edition of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Have we talked previously about this star blaster they're building out in front of the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind yeah, actually, we uh, have chit-chatted over the Twitters mm-hmm. with BioReconstruct mm-hmm. about this uh, this thing. He posted some photos. He posted one from the rear, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, that looks like the, the thing that Jim was talking about on Mud not so long ago. And he said, yes, indeed it is. And then he posted another photo uh, from the front, and it looks amazing. It looks really, really cool. But here's the thing. Theme park purists are kind of ticked off at this 51-foot-tall structure. 
Why? Because you can see the base. The thing, <sighs> thing that's holding this Nova, Nova Corps starship up in front of the building. Wait a minute. You're saying that Disney did not invent levitation well, for this statue, this this monument? Oh, man. Where where do you draw the I mean, I get it that, you know, you want things to look cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Quinjet is just parked there yep. at the Avengers campus. Mm-hmm. And so you really can't call shenanigans on that. Mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon just sitting there. Mm-hmm. But this thing's got to be propped up somehow. And if you can't do levitation, what are you going to do? In talking with friends and imagineering about this, they're like, this is the state that hurricanes come through quite frequently. If you drill down into the safety codes and the building standards that WDI is held to by the Reedy Creek Improvement District, the thing that allowed them to build in Walt Disney World, all of the things they build in the theme parks have to be able to withstand winds of 300 miles per hour, because again, if they get a particularly strong hurricane coming through, and especially if you look at this Zendarian starship, which is made up basically out of pointy triangles, you don't want chunks of that sticking out of the side of Spaceship Earth. So it's like, this is why we have our base. And it's like, we haven't finished building it yet. Let us put in the decorative fountain and the plants, and then you won't see it quite as often. So. Beyond that, also today, Cosmic Rewind got its first chunks of merchandise. In fact, you go over to Shop Disney right now. They have a set of four Groots for $21.99, and you get the full life cycle of Groot. You get the seedling in the little pot. You get baby Groot. You get surly teenage Groot and full-size Groot, which, did you know the actual species that Groot is supposed to be? The, The Flora Colossus? Oh, is is that the species, the genus, and the phylum? Of a, supposedly, of a supposedly, I I did. Wow. I you know the things you learn on the side of toy boxes. You know, it's one of those things where you're sitting around at Marvel one day and they're just shooting stuff back and forth, and you know, like, hey, we got a talking tree. Oh yeah, that's really cool, man. Hey, what's the genus of it? <laughs> like what? Oh, seriously, if someone were to ask you on the street, what what genus is Groot? What would you say? And then they have to have this discussion where they go through the entire, you know, like, all right, where's the book, the Darwin's book of evolution so we can, you know, branch this out, branch, haha, tree joke. Uh, yeah, it's just the, it's the, the things that they come up with in their creative discussions that end up making it into, well, discussions like this here. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I look at that and that is clearly somebody trying to figure out well, how can we expense this lunch? Oh, let's have a conversation about group. Yeah. So uh, other toys that you will be able to get in the, you know, uh, well, you can get them at Shop Disney right now, but it will also be for sale in the post-show gift shop at Cosmic Rewind. There's going to be a die cast of uh, the, the Benatar, which is the M-class spaceship that the Guardians are flying now because the Milano got damaged. And we also have a die-cast version of the thing in front of the building that theme park purists are complaining about, the Star Blaster. And both of the space vehicles will go for $14.99. Do they happen to have deals with, say, Lego? Because I've got a, a friend who's really into the the Lego collections and the more, you know, advanced stuff. And they've got 
the I think it was the Benatar mm-hmm. that they had a Lego set of looks really sharp, but mm-hmm. do they sell the Lego things that they've licensed their their you know uh, property to Lego? Do they get to sell that in their stores as well? You know, that's an interesting question. Or is it just that too much money goes directly to Lego that they they don't even want to bother? Well, I mean, uh, Lego loves being part of the Marvel camp. In fact, had things gone a, a different way. This year, the 117th edition of Toy Fair New York would be starting on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, February 19th, at the Javits Center down in New York. But, of course, Omicron reared its ugly head, and out of an abundance of caution, this year's edition, physical edition, of that toy trade show had to go virtual. But what's interesting is Lego has been taking advantage of that and just released images of its Jane Foster dressed as Thor figure for the toy lines that'll come out for Mm. uh, Thor Love and Thunder, which that's July 8th. So we probably shouldn't expect to see those till sometime in June or thereabouts, but right. And speaking of not so distant future, Owen Wilson just did an interview and revealed that, yep, he's coming back for season two of Loki, which will begin shooting in the UK this summer. Wow. Did you, by the way, catch uh, what showed up on Disney Plus uh, just this past week? The assembled documentary for the making of Hawkeye? I have not yet been able to watch it. I I saw that it was there. I was going to make an attempt, but I was vetoed by uh, uh, the house partner. I, I won't say her name, wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm so having, I didn't get to watch it. I'm having yet. the the same issues this week. <laughs> a certain woman who will go unnamed loves ice skating and the Olympics are on. So sure, and, yeah. yeah, you got to you got to make your sacrifices you if, if you want to stay in the house. That's it exactly. So <laughs> I did manage to sneak in a, a viewing of the assembled couple of quick stories worth noting. Jeremy Renner was talking about you know he's been in in the MCU since Thor. Yeah, And he was talking about how in the first two weeks of shooting the Hawkeye limited series, it was one of these things, he's had more dialogue, you know, that his character had. Than his whole career. No, that's it exactly. You know, that Clint Barton has never had this many lines. And suddenly it's like, wow. That's why why he's like got back problems and stuff. Like, I haven't had so much to do in so long. I sign up for these billion dollar movies and I'm there for a week. It's like I'm going to the, you know, Bahamas Mm -hmm. and. Sipping on my ties while everyone's doing the heavy lifting. And now all of a sudden, yeah, the weight's on his shoulders and he's actually got to show up every day. Very interesting. You, you mentioned billion dollar movies because, of course, that brings to mind Avengers Endgame. And uh, producer Trin Tron was talking about how, as Marvel Studios was slogging through production of that epic film, that was actually when the first conversations were had about, hey, you know, maybe we should do a theatrical release with, with Clint, a, a Hawkeye movie sort of in the same vein as as Black Widow, but these are two superheroes who aren't really superheroes. They have achieved their position in the Marvel Universe because they're humans who have reached a level of expertise through years of practice. And following a Black Widow movie with with a Hawkeye movie would be sort of like putting a carton of vanilla ice cream next to a carton of French vanilla ice cream. What if they just combined their chocolate and peanut butter and gave us the Reese's movie of Black Widow and Hawkeye? The weird part of this is this is also when you're having a conversation with, you know, a performer about you finally get your moment in the spotlight. 
And that was the thinking, well, we've already agreed to do this with Scarlet. We're doing it theatrically, so why don't we explore, you know, we have this new opportunity over at Disney Plus where we're doing limited series that are actually, you know, we're spending almost the same amount of money to make these things, and, you know, they have longer running time. So I think you pointed out that if you cut Hawkeye, all of its its opening sequences and title sequences, out, it's two and a half hours, three hours, almost theatrical release running time. Yeah, I mean, the the difference right now between a, a Marvel film, because they are getting longer in length, mm-hmm. and a MCU Disney Plus streaming show, yeah, it seems like they're about the same length. The main difference mm-hmm. between them is how your story structure ends up being, because if you have like eight episodes, mm-hmm. you have essentially six or seven cliffhangers every 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, to keep you coming back for next week, mm-hmm. right? You know, you gotta, you gotta end with, oh my God, what was that all about? I gotta come back next week and find out more. Mm-hmm. And then it leads you all the way to the very end. Whereas when you're dealing with a, a film, you're dealing with the traditional three act structure. And so I think just creatively, it, it allows you to look at a character through a different lens mm-hmm. and, uh, give you a different way to approach how you tell that character's story for a change, which is always rather refreshing which is, I think, one of the reasons I'm so excited for Moon Knight being a series rather than a movie. I agree. So, I agree. Okay. We'll be talking about this later in the show, the news about the Netflix, Daredevil, and uh, Jessica Jones, and that sort of thing. But one of the things that really excited people about uh, Hawkeye was the way they teased Kingpin until he finally got revealed, what, in the final seconds of episode five? But it was Kevin Feige himself who came up with the idea that Kingpin should be the big bad in the Hawkeye series. And he was the one who said, look, let's reach out to Vincent DeFario and see if he's willing to reprise his role from the the Netflix Daredevil series. What was kind of interesting is they wanted this version of Kingpin to be different from the one that had been in the Netflix series. And so there was initially evidently some discussion about let's make him bigger. People seem to really respond to how Kingpin was portrayed in uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So can we do something like that? Can we, is there a way, you know, we, we don't, the only reason we responded to it is because they drew him as a freaking black square. <laughs> that was what we responded to. And it wasn't a good response overall. It was like, wow, into the Spider-Verse was amazing. What the hell was up with Kingpin being a freaking square? Mm. That was what the conversation was, Mr. Feige. Okay. I guess there was some talk about, is there a way we could make him like as much as 450 pounds? You know, mean, that much mass. And right. in the end, Vincent DeFerry said, look, I'm willing to put on some weight. In fact, I guess he gained 20 pounds for the role. But And if you remember what they did in the Netflix Daredevil, they had him in his immaculate white suits. And right. he decided, you know, let's go another way. And that's why the loud Hawaiian shirts this time around. Well, that was from the comic book. Yep. That's the thing about Vincent. You get him talking and he will actually talk about the individual artists who have drawn Kingpin and the things that he wanted to pull from various runs of the book to to do with the character. Anyway, it's worth noting that Mr. Feige, when he went to Haley Steinfeld and they had their initial meeting for Kate Bishop, it was one of these things where it's normally it's okay. We talk and then we audition and then we talk with agents and we cut a deal and and evidently, uh, Kevin, in this case, just offered Haley the job on the spot, because I guess she was also committed to another show, and is like, we would really, really, really like you for this. 
Well, she's uh, the lead for uh, Dickinson. There we go. On Apple TV's Apple TV Plus channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's in its second season right now. So she is busy with that. Okay. Well, that- if, if she's got a full dance card, you got to snag her while you can. Call dibs. I call dibs on the next dance, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you got coming up on your calendar, but I'd like to be included. I mean, you know, I remember watching True Grit. Mm-hmm. And what was she, maybe 12 uh, at the time? But she was great, yeah. And she's going to be uber star when she grows up. Because if this is where they're at now, oh my goodness, Meryl Streep, look out. These girls is coming for your crown. So, yeah, today they are just oozing with raw talent. Now, it, it, it's interesting you talk about uh, young actresses. Because, of course, in, in the opening scene of uh, Hawkeye, we get to see young Kate Bishop looking out her window at the Battle of New York. And it turns out it was a much longer opening initially. In fact, Clara Stark, who plays the younger version of Kate Bishop, had a lot more scenes with her dad to sort of set that up. And also this limited series actually used to be bookended with scenes of Clint at home with his kids in Iowa. But it was just the whole notion of, no, start the story sooner. And so that got cut, which have you heard about? This stuff that got cut out of Spider-Man No Way Home, where they were trying to figure out how to acknowledge the Ben Affleck version of Daredevil? Wait a minute, what the hell? See, the thing of it is, is that Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, the writers of Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, they knew, you know, they were bringing Charlie Cox in uh, to play Matt Murdock, to play, uh, you know, Peter Parker's attorney to, to deal with the whole murder of Mysterio thing. But you know the, but the way that they sort of sussed out how to do this was that Aunt May and Peter weren't going to have the money or the resources to get a lawyer quickly, but Happy Hogan was. But here's the thing: Happy Hogan is played by John Favreau, who also in the Ben Affleck version of Daredevil played Matt Murdock's best friend, uh, Foggy Nelson. Yep. And so the notion was, okay, so we're going to do this scene where we bring Charlie Cox in as Matt Murdock, but here's John Favreau, who was in Ben Affleck's Daredevil, and we have to acknowledge this in some way, otherwise the fans are going to get after us. And so, you know, they were trying to sort of craft a scene that would allow them to at least make a nod in that direction. All they would have had to do was have Favreau swap honey for mustard, and they would have been done. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to do. Favreau, swap that for that, and we know. We get it. Okay. Well, That's your nod. Well, here's the thing that Eric and Chris came up with. Remember the scene in the movie where they're sitting down in Aunt May's apartment, and this is when they bring Matt Murdock in. So May turns to Happy and says, so where did you find this guy? I mean, we're obviously going to need a really good attorney. And Happy says, well, I'm a little foggy on what we first met, but Matt's a really good attorney. This is the line that was supposed to set up the moment where the brick comes through the window and Matt just snatches it out of midair before it hits Peter. And Peter is supposed to say, how did you do that? And he said, I'm a really good attorney. So Matt was echoing but what Aunt May had said and, and Happy had said, but Happy was also was supposed to have said, you know, got the, I'm a little foggy in there. And the, that was supposed to be their cute insider way of saying, I, 
you know, I previously played Foggy Nelson, you know, in the Ben Affleck Daredevil, but now I'm Happy Hogan. Um, yeah, I would have, I would have gone with the honey and the mustard gag myself, yeah. and that would have just saved a lot of time. A non-verbal wink, you know, just move, move on. We don't need to spend any time reminiscing about the days of Ben Affleck meeting Jennifer Garner on the teeter totter, doing that stunt, falling in love. Getting married, having children, getting divorced. Then we get that sad Ben Affleck smoking a cigarette meme going around. We don't need to cover all of that. You and John Watts are of the same mind. He just looked at that piece of dialogue and it's like, it's cute, but it's a little clunky. And so, hard pass. Yeah, yeah. we'll just collapse it down to the I'm a really good lawyer thing. Yeah. On the other hand, Charlie Cox shared this story with the Hollywood Reporter back on February 11th, but he was also talking about how. When he and Andrew Garfield were both down in Atlanta shooting Spider-Man No Way Home, their time on set overlapped. And these two were old friends. So they said, hey, let's go out and, and get lunch together. So they, they go to this restaurant and they're, the hostess is seating them. And it's only as they're sitting down in the middle of the restaurant, they realize, oh, crap. Anybody takes a picture of us two together here, that's going to blow a bunch of Spider-Man No Way Home's Biggest secrets, because it's like, why are these two guys in Atlanta together? So they turn to the hostess and deliberately ask for the worst seats in the restaurant. So she seats them against the wall, facing the wall. Yeah, you know, right on. But they're able to you know, have their lunch without, and nobody's any the wiser. So can you seat us in the bathroom stalls with the closing <laughs> doors, please? We'll just eat in there on the toilet. <laughs> now, speaking of Daredevil, uh, did you see the news this week about Netflix? Yes. March 1st, Daredevil, along with Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Punisher and Iron Fist, as well as The Defenders, are leaving that streaming service. The most important thing is, does it go f- directly from... Netflix to Disney Plus that same day. I don't want there to be any lag time. How long do we have to wait before it shows up somewhere else for us to watch it? What I'm hearing is it will eventually get to Disney Plus, but there will be a stop along the way. You have to remember that Hulu right now has two Marvel produced animated series it has Modoc and it has Hit Monkey. They're dropping them off in Hulu land for they're, a while. They're dropping them off in Hulu land for a while because they're evidently there is talk, especially given we live in a space now where we have Paramount Plus, we have Peacock, we have HBO Max, and of course we have Netflix in addition to Disney Plus. And the belief is that at some point further on down the line, sometime over the next couple of years, there will be consolidation in the biz. And one of the things that keeps getting pointed to is that Disney is going to swallow Hulu because again, right. they're the majority shareholder there, but it would mean creating a version of Disney plus where certain shows and, and that sort of thing would be hidden behind age appropriate, you know, the effect right. of you need to sign in and be the, the right age to see this stuff. So. Further on down the line, when Hulu and, and Disney Plus become one streaming service, that's when all of the Netflix shows that Marvel produced will finally show up under the banner. But speaking of more adult-oriented fare, when Aaron and I get back from this break, we will talk about how Moon Knight looks to be Marvel Studios' first ever TV-14 show. Before I forget, 
Today, Tuesday, uh, February 15th, is when the Blu-ray version of The Eternals is hitting store shelves. Other things, uh, we were just talking about the Hawkeye Limited series a while back, which makes me think of its spinoff, Echo, which is supposed to begin shooting in April under the working title of Grasshopper. And out of the assembled documentary about the making of Hawkeye, because Alqua Cox's character's hearing impaired needs her hands to talk, Echo always needed to protect her hands. So it's like, if you go back and watch, she uses her elbows and feet a lot. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And while we're talking about soon-to-begin shooting limited series from Marvel Studios in the Heights Star, Anthony Ramos has just been hired to play an unnamed role in Ironheart, which stars Dominique Thorne, as Marvel character Riri Williams, a genius inventor and creator of the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. But before we get Echo and Ironheart, we get Moon Knight, whose title character, which will be played by Oscar Isaacs, has been described by Kevin Feige in a recent interview with Empire Magazine as he's brutal. It's been fun to work with Disney Plus and see the boundaries shifting on what we are able to do. There are moments in the series where Moon Knight is wailing on another character, and it is loud and brutal, and the knee-jerk reaction is, we're going to pull back on this, right? And it's like, no, we are not pulling back. That's a tonal shift. That's a different thing. This is Moon Knight. So what did you think of what we got to see in the Super Bowl ad? I liked it very, very much. It was actually different from what was uh, eventually released in the the trailer Mm -hmm. that we got later on that had more, uh, I think the trailer was a full two minute trailer, whereas the Super Bowl ad was only a a 30 second ad. Yep. Yep. And in that Super Bowl ad, we had uh, Moon Knight jump and his cape flares out to make the crescent moon shape. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's an iconic image, right? And I was, you know, happy to see that Mm -hmm. little thing. And then, Again, another iconic image is his crescent weapon coming out of the crescent moon in the sky, mm-hmm. looking so amazingly cool and just... No, I, I agree. It looks great. Mind you, we're, we're still a few weeks out from its debut on March 30th. In fact, I guess they are still working on it because just today, it was revealed that F. Murray Abraham has been hired to voice the Egyptian god Konshu? Is that, you know... Uh, sure. So I, I love that even this close to its actual debut, they're, they're like, ooh, we can do better. They're, they're, reach out. The trailer did have quite a bit of a horror element to it. Like, you know, I mean, if you just look at the set design for crying out loud, mm-hmm. um, they've got like this ghostly white creature god thing marching down a, a very poorly lit hallway. Mm-hmm. It's almost complete blackness and oscar isaac is huddled up in the corner of an elevator a pitchly black painted elevator by the way mm-hmm. and i want to just have anyone call out any time in your life have you ever seen an elevator painted interior pitch black if some people are afraid of enclosed spaces right so you put it in mirrors or you paint it a bright cheery color uh, but pitch black, it, it just doesn't seem to exist in the real world. So, I mean, it is highly stylized mm-hmm. towards the horror side. And I think that's going to be rather exciting because we just haven't had that in the MCU yet uh, very much. 
Uh, we'll we'll find out with uh, madness mm-hmm. how much madness is there. It looks like there's a bit more than we saw previously when we get to that. But uh, it's nice to have that that different flavor no, added into the MCU. I agree. And and remember, we we also have had our tease at the end of Eternals, the Blade, and hopefully that continues. You know, in that direction. But okay, so you you mentioned Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which again, same thing. We got a thirty second long commercial. And we also got the two-minute-long trailer, which was different from what we got at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home back on December 17th. Lord, yes. Yeah, it was radically different. And thankfully so, because they were showing some horror chops Mm -hmm. in these latest images. And in the super... uh, I should say the superb owl ad, because you get in trouble for saying the other word. Okay. Uh, (laughs) In the superb owl ad... Mm -hmm. We had, I don't even want to call it zombie strange. Mm -hmm. I would rather call it decaying strange. Mm -hmm. But do you recall that image where it looks like he's got bits of him falling off of his his hand is up and it looks rather zombie-esque? Yeah. You've done the deep diadem on this. So I'm I'm going to step back for a moment. You're going to walk us through your thoughts on the trailer and the Super Bowl ad. And then I'm I'm going to come in at the end because what intrigued me about this was what we didn't know going into this and and right you know. yeah so anyway uh, take it. We'll, we'll touch on that but before before I even get to the trailer because I've got something that I think is so exciting mm-hmm. uh, that came from a poster okay it's the one where strange is uh, in the center of the poster mm-hmm. and it's all the shattered glass with the bits yep. of reflections mm-hmm. and whatnot mm-hmm. did you gaze at all of those little bits of shattered glass what I love about the Marvel fan community is there are so many people who are better or smarter when it comes to the Marvel characters than I am. And I looked at that. That's a compelling image. And, but there were folks who took it to the Zapruder level of looking into that. And man, the stuff they found. Well, you've got several different versions of strange. Mm -hmm. And the way that we know that is by whether he's got a mustache or a goatee Mm -hmm. or where his white streak of hair is at his sideburns or higher up on his head. Mm -hmm. Sounds silly. It'll make sense later when we start talking about Defender Strange. Mm-hmm. But uh, in these shards of glass, you got characters like uh, Wanda, uh, Wong, mm-hmm. Baron Mordo, uh, America Chavez. The one that I was most shocked by mm-hmm. that I think is going to lead to the most amazing discussion, Jim, mm-hmm. is down by his cape in the lower right side is the shield of Captain Carter. There we go. You know, before you had asked if Doctor Strange, the Dark Doctor, was from the the animated mm-hmm. What If series, and I totally did not think that there it was even remotely possible they'd do such a thing. Mm-hmm. That shield and that image was like, man, I am so wrong on so many levels. Because I think when we get to the Illuminati, I think that's where Sharon's going to show up. So oh. let's let's dive into the trailer, and when we get to that moment, we'll discuss further. But I know you're a fan of Peggy. I am. And, I am. And seeing yeah. that shield represented in that shard made me think, well, there's something for, to make Jim happy, a, a pleasant little surprise somewhere in this movie. Hopefully Peggy will show up. We'll find out. But uh, on to the trailer. And just one quick aside here that I yeah. was actually told by somebody at Marvel, it came up as part of the conversation about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and daredevil and the like and it's like you know one of the reasons those are probably get parked at hulu is that they aren't canon on the other hand marvel what if that's canon well i i think that uh with the addition of 
Kingpin in in Hawkeye and mm. Charlie Cox mm. in Spider Man, I think that has to lean towards yes, they are canon. I don't want to see all that work washed away because no. Daredevil was damn good. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if, if it's one of them things where I have to disagree with Mister Feige directly to his face, I'll say, Mister Feige, I disagree directly to your face. I think I think Daredevil is worthy of addition to the MCU. Well, he did remember he's the guy who brought Kingpin actually into Hawkeye. So I think you two are you know are, are in the same sheet of music, so to speak. There, and obviously Charlie Cox is in the Spider Verse. Also, uh, there was recent, very very recent rumbling mm-hmm. that there would be a new series of Punisher with John Barenthal as the current Punisher reprising the role once again. Wow! So. I think if if they do end up bringing back Daredevil and they end up bringing back Punisher mm-hmm. as series, even if it is on Hulu, I don't think that denies it from being canon. I just think it's Disney saying, hey, we really don't have a really good barrier for youngsters versus oldsters. Mm-hmm. And we would like to sort that out first uh, before we start mashing Punisher in with Mickey. That may well be what's going on here. So, All right. Anyway, so... Talk to me. Superb Owl Spot in trailer. <laughs> Actually, Superb Owl Spot is is a lot of the same footage. Uh, I mean, there, there is some differences, but the big one was that decaying there we go. Doctor Strange mm-hmm. image. Um, beyond that, a lot of the images were reused, but the, the real meat of the questions come directly from the trailer. Mm-hmm. And so we'll dive into that. At 14 seconds in, mm-hmm. I'll give you timestamps so you can look it up yourself. America Chavez. Mm-hmm. It's our first glimpse of her in action. And she is facing, I don't know what the heck it is, but it looks horrifying. Mm-hmm. It looks like strips of meat and uh, glowing holes straight to hell. I don't know what it is, but it, it just looks horrible. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, shame on you for giving me nightmares so early. 14 seconds into the trailer, and you're already giving me the heebie-jeebies. 15 seconds in, just one second later, Jim, Mm -hmm. we get Defender Doctor Strange falling through some light portal thing. Defender Doctor Strange, it's it's like a costume change, right? Mm. He's got this... It almost looks like a trident, except it's missing the middle prong. You know, maybe like uh, I've always imagined it as like a dragon with wings emblazoned on his chest. And uh, and I know that's Iron Fist, but mm-hmm. it's just what it looks like. It's like kind of wing shaped and it's just a different costume. And he's got different. The streaks in his hair are different. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the Doctor Strange that might be part of the Illuminati when our Doctor Strange shows up, because we're getting different versions of the Doc, mm-hmm. so we've we've got to have a time and a place and a reason for all of them to be here. And I think this is our our way into the Illuminati's Doctor Strange's Defender Doctor Strange. But I saw the costume and I was like, oh, that looks so badass! <laughs> it's just total fanboy geek moment, and it lasted a second. Moving on. Mm-hmm. 42 seconds in, Christine is in a wedding dress, looking at something that I can only assume is inducing some form of madness. But I don't know. I mean, is there that will they, won't they with her character and and Doc Strange? Do we, you know, is is he going to pine over her? I mean, we know that he did Mm -hmm. in the What If series, right? Mm -hmm. So is this going to crush him in, in our real world right now if she gets married to some other bloke? Don't know. Don't know. 
if she's in a wedding dress, it's got to mean something. You don't just put that stuff in there willy nilly, right? Mm-hmm. It's gotta, it's gotta have some sort of emotional movement. Uh, moving on, fifty-five seconds. A glimpse of a minotaur. I think his name is Rintra. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, don't know much more about that, but it looks like the the place where they practice magic at. You know, where Doctor Strange got his teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to 113. A properly functioning, non-mad with power, docile Ultron bots escorting Strange to meet the Illuminati. Jim, when you saw the robots, what did you think? Did you know what they were? I had the same thoughts. But again, it being the multiverse, it's like, okay, so this is this is the world where Tony Stark pulled it off. And, and then again, immediately it's like, Please tell me they got James Spader, even, you know, for a day to come in. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so one thing, you know, with, with the way that they redid the eyes, mm. I thought of, uh, is it Ultraman, the Japanese oh, yes. character? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it, it did have that kind of look right off the bat. But after I did the frame by frame, I was like, "That's those are properly functioning Ultron bots. And the reason that that will be of most great importance will come up in a few seconds. Mm. Just going to leave that nugget there because I think that this could be one of the most brilliant moments Marvel has ever put together. Mm. We'll come back to it. Okay. At 116, high back chairs and silhouettes, and I refuse to guess at whom those silhouettes are because all I can see is Dr. Doom. Mm. On the right of Dr. Strange, I'm like, there's a hooded cloak sitting there and it just the way it's draped, it looks so like a Dr. Doom silhouette. And I dare not even place my hopes or dreams upon such a thing ever coming true in this movie. So I shan't. I shan't. Well, it, it, it's so interesting you say that because just over the last couple of days to watch the folks who have discovered a 4K version of this trailer and have really, oh, no. really dug down into the imagery. I mean, for example, they, did, they do one super close-up and... There's one person seated in a high chair who's got a white circle on their cloak. Yeah, I saw that too, and it wasn't even in the 4K. And my first thought was, that looks like a, a Reed Richards of some sort. Yeah. And then when I was looking at over on the other side, it was like, and if that looks like a Doctor Doom, I'm like, I just, I started just speaking gibberish for the next 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I do not want to speculate mm-hmm. at silhouettes, Jim, because I get too excited. No, too no, excited. No. I understand. I understand. And uh, I'll get geek on everybody, and then you'll have to go get the handy wipes mm-hmm. so you can wipe geek off you. But anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. One minute, 21 seconds into this wonderful trailer. Mm-hmm. Sir Pat Stew is dangled like a freaking carrot. What up with that? Approximately 100 million worth of tickets were sold just off of that one line yeah. and a glimpse of that bald head. You know that to be true, right? Seriously. Was it two shows ago, three shows ago that you and I went over the rumored list of cameos. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. know, all of these folk. And never once did you and I even... I think we actually talked about maybe Hugh Jackman might show up in this thing, but never Okay, that, now, hold on. That's, that, that, that is actually the conversation I want to have right at this moment. Okay. During the filming of Logan, yep. Sir Pat Stew says, this is the last time I'm playing Charles Xavier. I think this is the proper moment to retire this character. I think we have completed his story arc. There is no need for me to ever revisit this character ever again as long as I live, so help me God. And it was immediately after that that Hugh Jackman walked up right behind him and went, yeah, I too swear to never ever play Logan again as long as I live, so help me God. 
on my word as an Aussie. And all of a sudden, we got Sir Pat Stew in a trailer. And now here's the, the other thing is like, they were so secretive about Toby and Andrew. Even after the movie was out, they wouldn't even talk about it. What is, are they in it? I don't know. Or, uh, they could be. I haven't seen the movie, even though I funded it and made it and was there for filming. I don't know if they could be in it. Maybe. Here, they throw them out in the damn trailer. Like, look what we got, guys. It's Patrick Stewart. Does that mean, Jim, that right behind him, should we expect Hugh Jackman to walk on scene and go, hey, mate, I'm here too? <laughs> I don't honestly know what to tell you. We have talked in the past about how when it comes to No Way Home and doing the business that it's done and getting the sorts of reviews that it's done, I think I shared the story about how the original Avengers made Marvel Studios think, okay, Iron Man 3 is going to be perhaps unfairly judged by the standard of the action and the acting and the effects in the original Marvel Avengers. So we're going to need to throw some more money at this. We're going to need to do this step up our game. So you got to wonder, we have that amazing quote from Sam Raimi. I think we're done. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I do believe that uh, Kevin Feige is coming back from the hardware store with the kitchen sink that he wants to put into the movie. (laughs) They were, they, he left that out of all things, and we had to throw in a kitchen sink. All right, uh, moving on, because this is going to lead to another uh, amazing set of questions, Jim. Mm-hmm. But uh, at uh, a minute 24, mm-hmm. which is just three seconds after they dangle Pat Stew in front of us, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange and America Chavez are falling through a light portal, and I swear to you it's the Savage Land, simply because there's a dinosaur there, Mm. a freaking Velociraptor-looking dinosaur. Mm. And the Savage Land is is where we have a lot of X-Men adventures, Mm -hmm. right? So if you go from directly from Sir Pat Stew saying his line Mm -hmm. and then going into a jungle with a dinosaur... That's the connection I'm making, and I think it's very direct, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take a very extraordinary leap to the left or right. I think it's a very straightforward connection there. I I could totally be wrong, though. Mm -hmm. Marvel's done it so many different times, but that's what I'm thinking is we're getting a glimpse of the Savage Land. I'm excited for that. I'll move on just a few seconds. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a joke at 1 minute 27 seconds. This is Doctor Strange in his cubism period. Ah, yes. (laughs) Okay. I, I like the look of it. I think it's that an old school, you know, like a, a Kirby-esque kind of look. And I, I dig it. Uh, 136. Here, here we go, Jim. Mm-hmm. At 1 minute 36, mm-hmm. some people speculate that that is Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Maybe Monica Rambeau. Okay. The rest of the world believes that is superior Iron Man played by Tom freaking Cruise. What say you? I have to admit that I'm kind of leaning toward the Monica Rambeau. Not to say that, that Tom Cruise is not in this film at some point. Right. But the killer for me was that somebody, again, had found a 4K and had gone in really close. And it was like the signature mustache goatee thing. Yeah. The image sort of fell apart at that point, And you looked at it and it's like, okay, that's actually, that's a woman's lips. Okay, you think so? All right. I'm, I, All right. But again, you see, it, the, the, this is the problem. So much of this is open to interpretation at this point. 
Well, the thing that I think that supports a superior Iron Man at this moment in time mm-hmm. is the fact that we have working Ultron robots from a few seconds before. This is true. This and is true. Tony Stark is the inventor of that. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we've got functioning Ultrons, we've got a Stark somewhere. It almost sounds like a song, maybe like a, a Motown thing. We got a stock somewhere, baby. We got a stock somewhere now. At the same time, remembering what we have just seen on WandaVision, and this is where Monica Rambeau basically came on the, the Marvel stage. And we have so much Scarlet Witch in in this trailer. And in fact... That's true, too. Yeah. You know, so it's just, you know... Um, and I, I am totally skipping over the, all of the Scarlet Witch stuff because none of the Scarlet Witch stuff I find to be surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we know her as a character. We know her motivation right now and the fact that we know that she's in the movie. And uh, But it, it doesn't lead quite anywhere just yet. She does have a really cool line about how she thinks it's that she does her thing and he does his, you know, and, and she gets blamed mm-hmm. for being you know, demonized and he gets called a hero and she doesn't think that's very fair. And you just almost want to see her throw a little witchy temper tantrum and have a little magic battle right there. But who knows what that will lead to. But yeah, so my vote right there is I I think it's going to be a superior Iron Man. And I also think a couple of different things here is one, if he's got the, the Ultrons and the idea that he's already got a couple of Infinity Stones embedded into his armor, because that's kind of how the character's written. Mm -hmm. And if he happens to be played by Tom Cruise, Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise plays a really arrogant jerk really, really, really well. And I want to point specifically to Tropic Thunder Mm -hmm. and his portrayal of, uh, I can't remember the agent's name or whatever, but uh, he was so evil and so mean Mm -hmm. and so vile that I just loved him and I wanted to eat him up with a spoon. Mm -hmm. And I think if if he went, and did a really disgustingly arrogant Tony Stark mm-hmm. of uh, Dr. Strange has to explain, well, you know, our Tony Stark died to save uh, the world from Thanos. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I had Ultron cause I, I made it right. You know, like what, you know, what didn't he have Ultron? Well, yeah, but it went rogue and tried to kill everyone. Well, Jesus, what an idiot. You know, our, our Ultron saved the world from Thanos. I didn't even have to do anything that day. I guess I'm the superior Iron Man because I'm still alive. Like just a really super arrogant. Because here's the thing, Jim, is I don't know if the audience would tolerate Tom Cruise as a replacement Tony Stark for 10 seconds Mm. unless he did something freaking amazing. Because there is so much love and goodwill in what Robert Downey Jr. gave us over all of those years Mm. that the idea of a replacement and as someone is, you know, that love him or hate him, Tom Cruise, some people don't like him. Some people love him, but you put him in that role, and I think a lot of people are just going to hate him right off the bat because he's simply not Robert Downey Jr. So I think he's got to do something amazing, and I, I think that his really jerky characters are some of the most entertaining, and I think it fits a Tony Stark persona, and I just really hope... I, again, it's like the silhouettes. I, I've put all my eggs into a basket that it should never have been woven, Jim. That basket should never have existed. And here I am with all my eggs in it. I got to move on. All right. So here we go. Okay. Uh, minute 44. Doctor Strange uses the exact same trick that Colors Obsidian uses in Infinity War. Do you catch that? 
when the tentacle monster throws a bus at Strange, yes, he creates yes. a portal sideways. Okay. That was when uh, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and Banner are having the fight with Call Obsidian in the beginning of Infinity War, mm-hmm. and they throw like a vehicle at him, and he puts up a portal that splits it in half, mm-hmm. and it goes to either side of him, so he doesn't even have to move out of the way, and we're like, oh, that's so badass. Mm-hmm. It's like Doctor Strange is like learning a trick from a nemesis and using it in his battle here, and I, I just think that's a really cool continuation of the character it shows the growth hey, i saw this trick one time watch this there you go. bus cut in half don't even have to move how cool is that mm-hmm. i'm pimp anyway uh 206 we're getting to the end the many armed thing i don't know what it is mm-hmm. i don't know if that's dr strange i don't know if it's a demon i don't know i don't know but it looks like Raimi is bringing the freaky deaky scares and as a fan of the Raimi horror aesthetic i am down to go crazy with uh, Doctor Strange. I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. And the other thing was, you know, I had asked you a while ago, well, it doesn't look very scary when we saw this, the cap on mm-hmm. the, the button on the Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that wasn't very scary. This looks like it's got a lot of very freaky, scary, Sam Raimi-worthy moments. And so I'm so excited. Same thing here. Now, as a precaution, though, we should mention that again, think about the last Spider-Man No Way Home trailer before the film was released, where in order to keep Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's participation in the film a uh, secret just a little while longer, that their versions of Peter Parker were digitally removed from that battle in and around the Statue of Liberty. So we should probably be ready for whatever we've seen here with this trailer to be. Could be little different. Yeah, Could fantastically be. different. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing you said, the notion that this is a trailer, that they've clearly stepped up their game to get us back into theaters. By the way, there's one other thing, the notion of they're doing the Illuminati, that's probably going to include Namor. Yeah. And he was supposed to be showing up shortly in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Well, so. now it's so interesting you say that. Thank you. On February 12th, there was a, tw- is a Twitter account called Atlanta Filming. And the caption for this particular tweet literally had, this will delete in 10. To the effect of, this image is going to get pulled down really fast. So This sounds like a case for the Marvel PR team. Marvel PR team. Coming this fall. Wednesday evenings, only on CBS. Here's what it was. It's an image showing a new underwater set being fashioned for use for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But it's uh, of a crew working neck deep in a large pool with a blue composite screen as the background. And it was was up on the social media platform for literally minutes before it was, was removed. Black Panther Wakanda Forever doesn't arrive in theaters till November 11th of this year. Did they finish with Letitia Wright's filming of her additional scenes? From what I've been hearing, that went surprisingly smoothly. Marvel's PR team has been working overtime to make sure that is the narrative. It's like, she showed up, she did her work. (laughs) We have had no issues whatsoever. In fact, I've had friends suggest that one of the reasons that this footage of the you know, the water tank 
and shooting the water scene was leaked to the effect of, again, the bright, shiny object who all distract us. It's, what about Letitia Wright? Right. It's like, hey, did I show you the Namor scene we're shooting? And it's like, ah, you know. First off, if she's injured, we were happy that she's healed up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. simple mathematics there, but if she's able to complete the filming, because we knew that everything was on hold waiting on her, mm-hmm. and so it's just a matter of, is she healthy enough? To complete everything and and did it go without any problems and and were there any you know difficult scenes challenging scenes that may have been physical, you know like if I sprain my ankle do I have to run this week, and so it's it's just more a matter of uh, we know she'd been injured we know that there are other issues that that kept the the shooting from progressing mm-hmm. and so now that she's back at it. I hope that it's a, a good run where they got everything that they needed and there weren't any ex- additional hiccups along the way because there's a lot of planning and effort and whatnot that goes into it. And even waiting costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just drop one final thing before we close this week's show. With The Eternals, after a couple of days of it being in theaters, Chloe Zhao did come out and say, okay, that is, in fact, Mahershala Ali, the gentleman who's going to be playing Blade. That's who, you know, is saying that line at that moment in the film. Have you noticed that they have not volunteered yet when it comes to we should tell him the truth? That they're not volunteering that that's Patrick Stewart? Not yet, anyway? Oh, like we don't know what Patrick Stewart sounds I like. I know! I know! All right? I'm not as familiar with Mahersh Lali, and I know that he played Uncle Aaron mm-hmm. in the Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. and did a wonderful portrayal. But then when you've heard a voice for decades, because Patrick Stewart, you know, like I said, he played Picard forever mm-hmm. on TV. So you've got decades of in-your-home exposure weekly mm-hmm. from that. And then that carries over to the number of years that he played Xavier in the Fox film franchise and all of the film work that he's done. I mean, from Excalibur for crying out loud back in the eighties on, I mean, and I know he's done stuff even before that, Mm -hmm. but I mean, the man has just been in my home for flipping decades and it's really, really hard to not be, it'd be like not being able to recognize my dad's voice. Okay. On previous shows, you you know you've come after me to the effect of that's crazy. Andrew Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire will not be in this. So you know. I'd- oh no, I've still got feathers in my teeth. I've been eating crow on that one for okay. you know a couple of months now, okay. Jim. But uh, yeah, no, I I've been wrong so many times. I uh, have a cookbook on crow coming out <laughs> oh. in the very near future. Well, that, that, that's the thing. I just <laughs> I just feel like given that. This was just not on the radar. I mean, again, remember, we had a list of like 10 or 15. Cameos. No, it wasn't, but it was. I think it was a brilliant publicity stunt oh, in the, uh, the sense of, you know, they had to make Doctor Strange mm-hmm. elevate what, where they just came from with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It could not seem like a step backwards in upping the game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It had to move it forward in a big way. Mm-hmm. And I think with Patrick Stewart just using his voice like that, well, that opens up so many possibilities because you now have access to all of the X-Men. If you choose, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, I can see Feige with like the chess pieces moving them around the board. And he's like, if I take this one character and I move it right here in the trailer, 
they'll be raving lunatics like rabid freaking dogs for the next 12 weeks because it just means so many possibilities because if you think about the idea of if we have Mm -hmm. an Xavier, then we have a Magneto. And if we have a Magneto and we have a Scarlet Witch and they happen to meet, what happens? Mm -hmm. What happens, Jim? Because in the comic books, that's daddy to Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. But in uh, the MCU, that's not daddy. So is he an alternate version? Mm -hmm. I I so many questions. But yeah, that's what you get for putting an Xavier in there. Well, for me, the notion of bringing the Illuminati in now. Yeah. And also, I also, in that moment, uh, felt, my God, this is going so fast. I felt like a, a young girl who had been dating for a few months, and all of a sudden, my boyfriend just dropped to his knee and put a ring on my finger, and I was like, oh, it's just happening so fast. <laughs> the Illuminati? Oh, clutch the pearls. I don't know what to say. I, I say yes to the Illuminati. <laughs> Well, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> All right, folks. That is going to do it for this week's show. Aaron, social media-wise, where can folks find you these days? On Twitter, at Azaprod. Go to my website, azaprod.com. If you need commercials that grab your attention and get you business, or audio cleaned up for a podcast, contact Azaprod today. Social media-wise, you can find us over on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. And on behalf of Mr. Adams, thanks for sharing some time with us, and we'll be back soon.